podcast devoted to discussions of how the biblical worldview transforms all of life. I'm Corey Barnes, and with me is my co-host, Aaron Rice. Aaron, how's it going, man? It's great. I've been enjoying the summer. We've had some cooler temperatures, which has lent itself to some more garden work in the afternoons without toiling by the sweat of my brow, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's man. been uh, really great so far and looking forward to some more conversations about Worldview today. Yeah, yeah. This weather's been more like uh, probably what we'll have by closer to the time this episode's airing. No, no doubt. In the fall. So yeah. Kayla and I were sitting on the porch this morning. I was like, man, it feels like fall. So, all right, well, let's talk about uh, why the biblical worldview is necessary. And uh, first thing I think would be helpful is for us to go through and answer what what have people have been hearing the episodes that we've we've had out so far, and they say, well, I hear what these guys are saying, but this sounds awfully complicated. Uh, the biblical worldview can't be something that is that complicated or that necessary to really think about. So let's go through some of the common objections that people might have. And one that I wanted to bring up, the first one is, I just read the Bible, right? And I think this is a common objection, especially for people who are in more conservative evangelical denominations, Bible value in conversations. So, and especially those denominations that hold to some form of like biblical inerrancy, just the Bible is the absolute authority and contains no errors. We're thinking here, uh, conservative Presbyterians like PCA, EPC, Church of God, uh, obviously most of the, um, the Baptist denominations in our context in the South, in particular, right. the Southern Baptist convention. Um, so, uh, so when people say, I just read the Bible. I mean, what what are some of the what are some of the things that they're kind of going through there when they say just read the Bible? Why is that a problem? Is it a problem that they read the Bible? I think I don't think it is a problem that yeah. they read the Bible. Obviously, I, right. I think that's got to be our, our foundation as we've talked about so many times. Um, but the issue comes whenever we say I only read the Bible and I'm just sticking to that. I don't want to have anything else influence the way that I think. And um, one of the things that I've been chatting with folks about as we've been preparing for these is they just don't want to think mm-hmm. and have to exp- uh, you know expand energy on. Um, thinking about their lives. You know, yeah. they just want to go through it. You know, they have to deal with things all the time and actually, you know, dissecting every moment of every day and how they do things, it seems taxing. Right. And it seems uh, laborious and really just tough. And yeah. people don't want to go through that. Yeah. I think about the uh, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. There's a scene where uh, there's two guys in a rowboat. And uh, one of them is reading a Bible, and they're talking about how they got out of jail and whether it was God that got them out of jail or not. And the guy is sitting there reading the Bible, arguing that it was divine providence that got them out of jail. And uh, and the other guy in the boat says, why are you reading the Bible? You can't even read. (laughs) And the guy says, it's the Bible. You get points for trying. So when we say that some people would object to a robust analysis of biblical worldview, we're really not saying at all that it's wrong for them to say, well, I just read the Bible. We say, good, absolutely. You can't have a biblical worldview if you don't read the Bible. The problem is the word just, because the the word just implies that if you only read the Bible, that the very act of reading the Bible is all that's necessary. That's actually not the case. The Bible is the, the foundational authority for our life. And then as we read it, we begin to allow the Bible to permeate through all that we're doing. 
and that does inquire serious engagement of thought. So what are some other objections that people might raise to an analysis of biblical worldview? So really thinking about creeds and uh, doctrinal statements that might inform our worldview. And some folks might say, well, I have no creed but the Bible. You know, we, we've heard that over the years. But to me, in an ever-changing culture that often progresses with every single news cycle, a Christian worldview stands in contrast to other worldviews. And just like we've been talking about, the Bible is our ultimate source of truth for everything. And throughout the first and much of the second centuries, Christian thought has codified core doctrinal beliefs as set forth in the Scripture, and they've presented these beliefs in doctrinal confessions and doctrinal creeds. And these creeds, they serve as the basis for theological education in the church and in the home. And so they inform the way that we do life. They inform the way that we see the world. And so the beauty of these documents is that they've been tested, that they've been proved, some for nearly two millennia, almost two millennia. And so they've been tested, you know, they've gone through some of the greatest minds that our civilization's ever known. And so they've thought about these things and they've really distilled them into the essence of uh, these theological ideas. And so they can still serve as a basis for us, for our theological education, and as kind of a standard or a measure for theological um, cooperation with other Mm -hmm. believers. And so we can see these things, and they can help us really codify what we believe as informed by the Scripture, and then they can also serve for us as a standard by which we can cooperate with other believers, even though they don't necessarily come down the same denomination that we're in. Yeah, so when we hear people say things like, no creed but the Bible, we can certainly affirm that it's true that the Bible is the ultimate authority, right. though we should point out to that brother or sister, uh, no creed but the Bible is actually a creedal statement of belief that's not found in the Scriptures. Right? right. So obviously there has to be some type of formulation of doctrine. And so this this applies to how we're thinking about biblical worldview because basically what it's helping us see is that it's important to think about and then analyze and then systematize or use the word codify what we believe about the Bible. Um, you know, the last thing I would I would kind of say about this is I hear a lot of people, especially in our context. You know, both of us are sons of the South. You're South Carolina. I'm from Georgia. So, uh, so you know, whenever we think about our culture, it's a common phrase to hear. Well, I'm I'm just a simple Christian. Mm. There's a degree to which I can have a wonderful affinity for that because I have known so many women and men who were believers who did not go off and get formal academic degrees and who were not people who, who were constantly espousing uh, you know, quotes and, and ideas from top-notch scholars or church historians or people throughout the history of thought. However, they had a profound and de- deep faith. Right. But it's, again, the word just that <laughs> gives us a problem here. Those quote-unquote simple Christians that I have known throughout my life are actually people that did analyze the way their Christianity was permeating throughout all of their life. They lived lives soaked in the gospel and soaked in the biblical worldview. It might not have been formal study, but these were actually people that were constantly quoting Scripture. Exactly. These are actually people that were constantly thinking about how Scripture affected the way they interacted with their neighbor at the grocery store or they interacted with the stranger on their doorstep. So again, whenever we go through these objections and we'd say, you know, I just read the Bible or I don't need creeds, I only need the Bible or I'm just a simple question. Well, we understand the, the, the implications behind that. And we find some value in them. We are still going to push people to argue or we're still going to argue to our brothers and sisters that you do need rich and deep analysis 
of your worldview, whether that's in a formal or informal setting. And in addition to that, not just that rich and deep analysis, but then an application. Um, and you see that even in, you know, these people, you and I have both served in churches that are small rural congregations mm-hmm. that love the Lord and that are not rich in education degrees wise, but mm-hmm. they have, they're rich in the education of what they've learned in the Bible, what they've learned in the scripture, what they've learned through the pulpit. And then yep. they seek to live that out, whether that's going to be, you know, as you've said, uh, you know, at the grocery store, or whether that's going to be selling their, their goods at the farmer's market. Market or those sorts of things. And so there is a simplicity to it, sure, but there is a depth and a desire to continue to grow in those things and then live them out wherever they go, whether it be with their family or in the marketplace. Yeah. You know, we said, you know, I said we were sons of the South. We're also both sons of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's right. Bred and educated largely in that context. And when we think about how this plays out in in that denomination, in the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, in in the Southern Baptist Convention, it was not the educated elites that held us to a biblical worldview. That's exactly right. It was the grassroots people that you're talking about in those small rural churches. And and, and that does not mean that it was a, a position of ignorance. Far from it. It was a robust position of biblical engagement born out of Christians reading the Bible and intentionally thinking about how the Bible applies to all of their life. Mm-hmm. Let's let's shift gears a little bit. So, you know, we're talking about these are these are some objections to thinking intentionally about a biblical worldview. Let's let's move forward to thinking about uh, what what would the consequences be of an unexamined worldview. So, if, if a, a quote unquote biblical worldview is unexamined, what's the chief problem with it then? So, if it's unexamined, um, then you're going to have uh, places where you fall through the cracks with mm. what you believe, right? Because if, if you're not constantly evaluating what you believe and then how that's lived out, some things are going to, to become peripheral areas, blind spots, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. in, in your worldview. And those things are going to become more problem areas where you may not land in an, an area where the Bible speaks directly, but you have to uh, put things together. And then you're going to potentially move away from orthodoxy and you're going to move away from the foundation of a scriptural issue. And so some of the things that you and I have talked about some in the past are how we've, um, you know, justified uh, slavery and uh, white supremacy mm-hmm. um, uh, back particularly in the 19th century and, and, and before that. And then even that still crops up still some even today. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. that some in the Southern Baptist Convention even the last year or so, yeah. um, uh, removing them from fellowship because these things have crept up. And in reality, I have to, to wonder, is this one of those areas that was kind of in their periphery and one of those things that they didn't examine with the biblical worldview, and then it cropped up and became more and more of an issue, and then it's, it bears fruit that is mm-hmm. absolutely an ugly fruit, something yeah. that we don't want. Yeah, and that, that reference to the fact that there have been you know uh, individual congregations that right. once aligned with the Southern Baptist Convention that we've expelled because of inherently racist views. We've done that not on the basis of you violated a cultural norm. Right. We've done that on the basis of you violated a biblical norm. So I think this is pointing to the fact that the chief problem with an unexamined biblical worldview is it 
it's not likely to be biblical. Right. Like if we don't examine, if we don't constantly take our beliefs back to Scripture, and then the world of thought that Scripture opens up to us, we're not likely to have biblical worldviews at all. I would say another uh, issue that we've seen that on, the treatment of Native Americans. Yeah, you know, we forget the fact that the whole manifest destiny ideal is a, is a slow growth out of this uh, kind of... Uh, uh, Understanding that America is destined to have all the land in the continent because it is a Christian nation. So what do we do? We don't worry about converting these other people that don't look like us. Even though we had actually converted many of them, we push them out. We relegate them first to undesirable parcels of land, and then we eventually go in and take even much of that. Um, Or, and this is one that I think is not uh, directly applicable to our current context, but think about how many of our brothers and sisters throughout the history of the church have committed committed atrocities because of blind trust in political leaders. And we think especially here, emperors and kings and queens, that the theology, not biblical theology, the, the the current theology of the day said, well, you just trust the monarch regardless of what the monarch says. Right. Exactly. But it's not biblical. It's unexamined. So all of a sudden what is thought to be a biblical worldview isn't a biblical worldview. This is so vital for us to see. It's really the reason that we started the, the whole transformed ministry is because it's easy to say we have a biblical worldview, but if it's not an examined biblical worldview, the problem isn't that you're not smart. The problem isn't that you're not part of the elites. The problem isn't just that you're lazy. The problem is an unexamined biblical worldview is not likely to be a biblical worldview. It's your worldview that you have slapped the label biblical on. Sure. And one of the things that I think about as a musician, and uh, you know, if I was an athlete, I may have another uh, illustration of this, but, but as a musician, I think about the fact that um, for me to continue to get uh, progress in my craft, whether that is as a vocalist or as a conductor, I have to practice, right? And it's something that I have to go in and practice daily, weekly, day by day, as a, and, and continue to grow and, and get better. And if I don't, there are things that crop up, issues that come up with the way that I sing or with the way that I conduct or problems that I may not intend to have that just slip in there. The same thing with our worldview. If we're not constantly analyzing that, holding that up to the measure of Scripture and seeing how that aligns, then it just can easily just ever so slightly get askew, and then we're off to the races allowing things to creep in and it to become unbiblical. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's one of those things where we have to be sure that we are constantly lining it up with the Scripture and making sure that we are are, um, coming up to the standard that that God gives to us. Mm -hmm. And it's just the discipline. And I'm sure we'll talk about disciplines at some point, Christian disciplines on the podcast, but it's really a discipline making sure that we are lining things up with the Scripture. Yeah, man, brother, that's a good reminder just that the the natural state of the world is sin and that, you know, if, if, if left alone, we in our sinful hearts gravitate towards sin, so we need to be examining the the biblical implications of right living, um, or rather, be looking at the Bible for the standard of right living, or else we're going to drift astray. Though we though we may not think we're drifting astray, we, we will. may not even notice it in yeah. the moment. Well, let's let's talk about you know one of the things that that I think about uh, as far as why a biblical worldview is necessary. A biblical worldview is necessary uh, for unity among Christians, and and this is something that. Uh, I think that we see in denominations and in movements of Christianity, uh, especially in our current context, that are trying to take the Bible seriously. We have a very distinct understanding that we cannot simply be content with unity for unity's sake. 
In other words, Christian unity is not the church deciding to hold hands and sing kumbaya. Mm -hmm. We actually have to agree on things because we do, in fact, agree on things. Uh, This this doesn't mean that we uh, have to agree on all things. And another thing that I'm sure we'll bring up later on is how do we decide what things we must agree on and what things we don't. I'll go ahead and say right now, if anyone listening is concerned about that, just go out to Google and Google Theological Triage by Al Mohler, and it's going to pull up some very helpful material there to help understand kind of how we align crucial doctrines versus secondary and tertiary doctrines. But if we're going to have true Christian unity, what we have to have is we have to have foundational agreements on what the Bible says so that we can say we come together as Christians in the family of God, as part of the kingdom of God, and that we understand this identity in light of how the Bible orients our understanding of that group identity and of our behavior and of our thought and of our beliefs and ultimately of our faith and our faith community. So when we're looking at all of that coming together, if we don't have a biblical worldview about that, again, the worldview can be said, uh, we can't say anything about the worldview other than it's the worldview of my group versus your group. It's only when we have a biblical worldview when we can say this is the appropriate worldview for the kingdom of God, the people of God, because it's the worldview God has revealed to us by grace through his scripture. Yeah, I think that, again, goes back to the question that we asked earlier. I have no creed but the Bible. Well, the main thing, the reason that came up with these creeds initially was to say, okay, what does the Bible say and how can we agree on these things? And so it really is doing exactly what we're talking about. It was just doing it so much closer to the time of Christ whenever there are a lot of things going on out there um, to say, okay, these are the exact things that we believe. These are the things that come from the Bible. Other things we can disagree on, but these are the essentials of the faith. These are the essentials that keep us and bind us. Yeah. Um, and so I think that um, it's not a, an, a new problem, a new thing that we have to to, to come up and reinvent the wheel, uh, yeah. you know, as we want to cooperate with other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's something that's been, you know, considered for, for millennia, and we need to continue to make sure that and line it back up with the Scripture that we do have those things that we can stand firm on and lock arms on and know that there's also charity in other things. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's a, that's a, a great point, tying that back to creeds. Uh, on this, this same question of unity, who's in and who's out? Like, who's a part of the kingdom and who's right. not? How do I know? Uh, you know, a colleague of ours asked me almost rhetorically uh, just this week, uh, are Unitarians Christians, right? And, and I think, uh, to his surprise, I instantly said, well, no, they're not. And, and my reason for that isn't to try to you know make little of the you know the in group and the out group, we have to take this very seriously. My reason for answering this so quickly is the the historic creeds of Christendom, which are biblical theology tied directly back to biblical doctrine, right. and, and we think especially about the Apostles' Creed and Nice the Nicene yeah. and Niceno Constantinopolitan mm-hmm. Creed, says that God is three in one. Right, explicitly revealed in a Trinitarian formula, going back to passages like Matthew uh, chapter 28, whenever we say uh, we are commanded to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is three in one. Unitarianism, by definition, rejects that. Therefore, that shows me where the line on Christian unity right. is. So, well, Aaron, uh, take us through as we as we begin to uh, to move out of this conversation. Uh, a biblical worldview has to lead ultimately to biblical living. This isn't just an this isn't just a theoretical conversation. So how does that happen? What what how does this actually affect how we live? As I was thinking through this question, one of the things that pops into my my mind so often is what's the purpose to life? What's the point of life? And the the Westminster Shorter 
Catechism says that we are to um, glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the chief end of man. And if that's the chief end of man, if this assertion is true um, from this statement, then we have to have that as our goal. And that's got to be the direction that we face our life. And so if our purpose of living and thinking Christianly it's, it's not to be right or to be in the in crowd or be the ones that are included, but it is to uh, for the whole purpose of glorifying God and enjoying Him. And so if we have a biblical worldview, it's not so that we're right, but it's so that we glorify God and so that we enjoy Him. It's not so that we can exclude people and include others, but it is for the purpose of glorifying God. And to put it one uh, other way, it's so that we live Christianly, so that we love the Lord our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves, We talk mm-hmm. about this all the time. So the point of the biblical worldview is that we can live into the command to glorify God, love God, serve others. Yeah. Man, that's great. I love it that you're tying that to joy. Yeah. You know, it's the same reason, I guess, that, you know, my kids go out and play. We have a—Kayla and I have a very definite boundary. Don't go past this boundary because it pulls you too close to the road. Why it's it's not an arbitrary rule that we have set for them to follow, so that you know their their style of play can somehow just please Kayla and I for our own sake. However, it's for their joy. Right. We want their play to be for their joy. Once they transgress the boundary, their their play is no longer an act of joy, even if they think it is in the moment. It's an act of of danger, right? Because it's taking them too close to something that can wreck their joy and wreck their lives of, of playing too close to the road. That's a that's a great way of answering that question. Um, you know, I, I'll say as we as we come to a close, the biblical worldview is not one worldview among many. Uh, the biblical worldview is the worldview that allows us to see things as, as they are supposed to be. So as we consider uh, why the biblical worldview is necessary, we ultimately have to see because the biblical worldview reveals to us truth. It reveals to us truth that works for our good. It reveals to us truth that works for our joy. And ultimately, it reveals to us the truth that allows us to fulfill our purpose to enjoy and glorify God so that in all of our living, we can be the creatures that we were created to be and bear God's image to his creation as his representative rulers on this earth. Thanks for listening to the Transform podcast. Transformed is a resource provided by Shorter University, a Christian liberal arts university in Rome, Georgia. For more resources provided by Transformed, including podcast episodes, book reviews, and articles, check out transformed.shorter.edu. For more information on Shorter University, go to shorter.edu. Tune in next week as we discuss Christian productivity. We look forward to chatting with you soon. Thanks, y'all.